Good morning, family. Mr. Henry, if you could just soundtrack my life. Just, just as I'm waking up, and great job, singers. Uh, it's good to be back in, uh, in, in Harlem. Um, I spent a week in Nigeria uh, from, honestly, I can't even tell you what dates. My head is zapped. Um, I was in Nigeria for a week um, with my mom and my brother. Um, it's been 20 years since I was there last. Um, 20 years since I was in Nigeria. And people there don't age. Um, I, I mean, I remember, I was surprised at how, how uh, familiar people look just because there's something, in, there's something there. Um, it was, the trip was overwhelming. Uh, when, when it was overwhelming, and it was incredible when it was incredible. I, uh, my, my dad actually built me a house um, in our village in Nigeria that I got a chance to see for the first time. We spent the night there. Uh, they haven't yet run, run electricity or water through the house, uh, but we'll, we'll work on that. Um, and then the church in Nigeria that my dad kind of, the church in Lagos that my dad kind of helped out a lot uh, years ago, celebrated the 30 year anniversary. Um, so we got a chance to be at that. There's about 3,000 people uh, in attendance for that service, um, and they also uh, renamed the West African School of Missions after my father. So it's now the Onyesio Guaya School of Missions. Yeah. So the, the trip was amazing. Um, it, it, it really was. And then uh, I thought it was a good idea to go right from JFK to teen camp for a week. <laughs> So we just got back from teen camp yesterday, um, and the teens are excited but tired, uh, and the teen workers are tired. Uh, <laughs> it was an incredible week of, of, of teen camp. Um, they were, I mean, I was, I was back at Tawanda, at Camp Tawanda, with my wife, which was trippy because years ago she was pretending to not like me at Camp Tawanda. And now I'm back there with two of her kids. Um, so it just kind of, you never know. You never know. You never, never know. Uh, so I, I got a chance to, to do a lesson for the, for, the, for the men, for the teen men, on, a, on Tuesday. Um, and I, you know, because I'm so, so full of good ideas, um, decided that I'm going to start my lesson with an arm wrestling competition that I was going to offer $50 to any teen that could pin me in five seconds. Um, and my thought is like, come on, I'm an adult. Um, so I know there's some large teens here, but like you're not going to pin me in five seconds. Uh, so the first three, like piece of cake, I'm not, you know, not, not even trying that hard. And then they sent a couple of the bigger guys. <laughs> And I, okay, all right. Still, I'll, I'm still keeping my money, but but um, but this is a little bit more difficult. Uh, and then they sent this gargantuan of a man, <laughs> who I hope that one day to be as big and strong as him. Uh, I'm not gonna you know put his information out there, but it's Shamar from Queens. Um, just this large, just bigger than he needs to be at this age, uh, kid, and um. And he wasn't able to pin me in five seconds, but he did partially tear my bicep, um, like in real life, 
like I had to go to the, the, the emergency room and the doctor was like, yeah, you, ha you definitely have a partially torn bicep. I would not arm wrestle for a while. Um, and it was frustrating because it was Tuesday and I, I, I couldn't move my arm down from this position. Um, and I'm at camp to serve. Like I want, I want to be here, I want, I want to give, I want to be able to do stuff, but I, I, I'm physically unable to move my extremely dominant right hand. I also arm wrestled Maurice Hooks after this. Just my ideas. Um, so I, 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 did, I did a lot of damage uh, uh, t to my arm, and it was honestly not until Friday that I was able to turn my, my wrist out like that. I was in the sling for like a day and a half. Um, I'm about like 87% good right now. I'll be arm wrestling next week if anyone wants to <laughs> save me $50. Um, so it was, it was 600 milligrams of ibuprofen, ice packs, menthol rub, arm sling, and 130 hours of forced left-handedness. Um, and I'm, I'm about ready to go right now. Uh, but what is the plan and prescription for spiritual muscle tears? Um, when our walk with God is stiff and sore, when we want to make moves and strides for God and his gospel, but we feel handicapped from doing so, how do we fix that? Uh, Acts 8 will be our text for the entire service today. Acts 8 and verse 26. So Acts 8, 26, before we get to this, some, some background here is that Jesus has been crucified, risen from the dead. Um, his disciples don't know what they're supposed to be doing. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes to them in Pentecost. Peter preaches an incredible sermon, and thousands of people decide, I'm going to give up my life and take on um, this new teaching that the apostles are, are, are presenting before them. I mean, th I mean... Thousands of people on a daily basis are, are, are just giving their lives uh, uh, over to God. It's a great time for Christianity. It's a great, like, uh, the, the, the start of this movement was just powerful. I and mean, people, um, if you're familiar with the story of Pentecost, uh, it's, it, part of the reason that it's so incredible is that you had people from all over, um, uh, all over the, 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 the Jewish world who were there for a festival, and they were like, hey, we're not going to leave here anymore. We're, we're, we're going to live here going forward. We're going to leave our, our, our old everything, and we're going to be here. So it was an incredible moment for Christianity. And there was some persecution, but still, overall, it was just great. And then the religious leaders take Stephen, and they present him in front of the Sanhedrin, and he gives in my opinion, like maybe the second greatest speech in the entire Bible, and they kill him in public. Um, and all those excited thousand people, like thousands of people that had just given their lives over for this movement, now saw the very first person killed for it right in front of their eyes. And they panic. Everyone takes off, goes back uh, to, to where they came from, which would eventually become the spread of Christianity, which is good. But the initial thing was, we need to get out of here, because they're killing people for this. And that's how we get to Acts, uh, Acts 8 and 26. So we'll read from there. I'm going to read through the entire thing, and then we're going to go back and, and, and chop it up a little bit. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of, of Candace, uh, which means queen of the Ethiopians. Um, this man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in a chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man was uh, reading Isaiah the prophet. 
Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the message of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When he came out the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So, God sent a message to Philip in an intense moment of persecution. This was not Philip on his way to work. This was not Philip just kind of enjoying himself on a random desert road. Philip was an escaped convict at this point because of the the fact that they had just made it free range on Christians. Um, And the the message that, that, that God sends him is go, Philip, to the desert road. And that is the only instruction at all that Philip receives. And I think wisdom says, why, God? Why? I mean, I'm going to need some answers here. I think now, modern Christians, we have the ability to read the Bible in its entirety so we know how things end, so we have answers for ourselves. But if you put yourself in Philip's shoes, you don't know how this is going to turn out. It's like, well, God, why? Why? Uh, are you not aware of the persecution that we're currently under? I can't put myself out in public like that. They just killed Stephen for this. God, why, why should I go there? Let me, before, let me just seek some input about this. Uh, before, and maybe if I could just get some time to pray on this matter, I really want to make sure that, that, that you're making things clear. Uh, and... And I don't know, God, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe this is not the, the, the right thing to do. And honestly, my heart isn't really in it. And if my heart's not in it, I don't want to do it, because then I'm doing stuff with a bad heart, and you're all about the heart. So even, like, it's not my conviction right now at this moment. Sounds very familiar if it was us. Now, there was the, the instruction was, Philip, Go. So he went. This is not the main point of the sermon at all, but that in itself carries a lot of weight. Go to the desert, Philip. So he went. I think we have become masters of spiritualizing excuses, and Philip just said, okay, God, I will go. Sometimes we, 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 uh, we, we mask direct disobedience to God's instruction as wisdom. Um, asking for God to make things clear when things have been made clear since creation. It's always been clear. Go and make disciples. Go and love as I have loved you. Go and forgive others. Go and do not worry. Go and serve the poor. Go and love your wife. Go and respect your husband. Go and prioritize family. But God, no buts, just go. So he went. There was no follow-up questions. There was no need for advice-seeking. There was no need for a counsel. Philip received instruction. So he went. 
And that's where our story starts here. Philip, in the middle of intense persecution, was given instruction, and he said, God, I got you. No problem. And he meets this man. He meets this eunuch in verse 27. Um, and, uh, uh, he, so the, the, this eunuch, was, he was put in charge of an enormous sum of money um, that belonged to a very, very powerful woman. I did a lot of research on who this was and how much money it is, and historians are kind of not sure how to put a number on it because it's that much. Like, well, like we don't really know where to say because she actually was potentially like, one of the richest people alive at this point. Um, so the guy that's in charge of her bank account um, has a lot of responsibility. Um, now, uh, eunuchs were particularly valuable for people in it, that, that, were, that were in power. Um, because of their physical situation, they had a, a, a drastically diminished sex drive, um, which, believe it or not, e equals more focus at your job. Uh, who'd have thought? Um, more focus and better workout, but you also don't have to worry about your maidservants getting pregnant because um, then there's maternity leave even back then. So you, you hire these eunuchs and you don't have to worry about any of that. And then even on, on top of that, you don't have to fear them overthrowing whatever you have because they don't have a lineage to pass on anything to. Um, so th so they're, they're very valuable because they're, 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 they show extreme loyalty with really no, like they don't have any other choice but to be extremely loyal to you. Now I can think of a couple of drawbacks about being a eunuch. Um, just if you give me a chance to think about it. I think there's some things that, that, that might not work uh, very well in that situation. But one, one of the things that I think missed me until further study is this. You look at uh, Deuteronomy 23. Deuteronomy 23, verse 1. So you have this incredibly loyal, hardworking, a lot of responsibility man that Philip means. Deuteronomy 23 verse 1 says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of the Lord. This man went to Jerusalem in an attempt to get closer to God. And if we, if we just become r responsible readers of Scripture, he most likely got sent home at the door. A very powerful, very rich man went from Ethiopia to Jerusalem because he heard about this God, and I think God lives there. Let me go over there. And when he gets there, I'm sorry, sir, we, we can't let you in. I don't know if you've been in a position where, where, where you thought you were something, and then you just get hit with a no. Man, that can, that can crush your spirit. That can absolutely make you feel less of a man. Because he's been given, he's, he's the guy. I'm going to go and get to know God better. I'm sorry. You, you, can't, you can't be in here. Now, as a, as, a, as a side thing, I think it's important for us to understand that, that under, under God's new management uh, of the church, um, everybody is welcome. Uh, theologically, everybody is welcome. Practically, uh, everyone is welcome, and that's not, not as a Sunday service um, thing, but amongst believers that housing the, the new Holy Spirit, 
we need to be a safe place for the broken and the, 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 the hurting and the damaged and the marginalized. Like this, under Jesus' management, this needs to be a safe place for the refugee, for the racist, for the bigot, for the unfairly wealthy, for the loud, for the, for the proud, for everyone in between. Listen, the gospel is designed to transform you. The gospel will absolutely rework your identity. But as the housing components of the Holy Spirit, people need to feel like, I can come here. I can, I can be here because there's something different here. I, as an individual, do not feel attacked. I might have to make adjustments by decisions that, I, that I'm going to make down the line. But I am loved and I feel supported here. And as a church, this needs to be something that is not even like we have to work. We just have to do that. We just have to be that. And if we're not, if we're not, then it's not Jesus' management. Under Jesus' management, no one gets turned around at the door. On his way home, disappointment, the, thing, the, the, the stamp of his loyalty now being the reason he can't get closer to God, in, in, in his perception, I can't get closer to God because of this thing that I did to myself to try and be more loyal to a cause. And notice what he's doing. He's not moping around in self-pity. He's in the Word of God. Major disappointment just happened in his life. And he's not throwing a, a, a pity party. He's not pointing fingers at anyone else. He is in the book of Isaiah trying to like, okay, if I can't get in the temple, man, let, let me at least try and understand God more on my own. And that's, that's not a heart of searching for God through hardship. This man, before he even meets Peter, is an incredible example of even when things are difficult, even when you feel like, man, it seems like God, because God works for the good of those who love him, even if I feel like I'm hitting a door, I may have to just find another door, find a, 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 a different route, but I'm going, I'm going to try and understand God no matter what. Also, this, I mean, he wasn't reading a Bible app or, a, a, or, or even a, a, a bound hard copy like we have you can get for free on the side of the road. These scrolls were incredibly expensive. Sure, he, he's working for a rich person, but, but now he's investing his money into getting to know God better after being said no at the temple door. This guy, is, he's clearly, up, I'm going to do whatever it takes to push through my, my stuckness and my handicap to understand God. Then, uh, you would jump back to Acts, Acts 8 in verse, uh, in verse 29. The Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stand near it. And what do you know? Philip ran to the chariot. Again, it's just kind of like, it just gets you from point A to point B in the story, but Philip, in the midst of an incredible persecution, in the midst of, let's say, even being handicapped from being, man, I want to be my all for God, but just the way that the, the, the politics are set up right now, I have to be a little bit withdrawn. In the midst of all of that, Philip, go to the chariot. Yeah, okay. Actually, let me run there before I change my mind. 
he, 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 he obeys like that. So he ran. Now, um, in, uh, what's, so what's interesting about this, so I, I, I often question, like, like, I mean, when I read my Bible, you can't hear me reading it because I'm reading it in my head. Um, so I was kind of like, well, like, well, is this like a Holy Spirit thing? But uh, the the script, the the scrolls were so expensive that to save money on space, there would be no spaces in between the words. Um, so imagine reading just your regular English Bible with no spaces. So you would have to sound everything out to understand what's actually going on in the text. So that's so so, so Philip heard this eunuch like trying to sound out um, the, the, the text that he was reading because they were that expensive. And that, so that's, what, that's what he's listening for. And I imagine that you hear in the eunuch's heart just a lot of like, God, please just help me understand this. Like, I'm, 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 I'm not having a good day. I'm not enjoying what's... And now I have to like sound... The, it's, 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 he was humbled. He was put in a very, very humble position. And in that moment... Philip hears him, and he's reading this. He's reading Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, which says, He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before his shear is silent, he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from him. We have a Messiah that can relate to our suffering. You know, uh, Hebrews 4.15 uh, 4. literally says, it like, like, hey, look, like your high priest, Jesus, he gets it. He gets all the challenges of humanity. He gets all the frustration of, of living in the world. He gets it. And he's also our high priest. He's also our Messiah. He's also Lord and Christ. But he also understands you, not because he sat behind and he studied humanity, because he chose to become human and feel all of this. We have a Messiah that personally understands through experience the heavy hand of a corrupt and prejudiced legal system. He, he, he got killed unfairly. It was a crooked case. They literally lied about him in court. He stayed quiet. And the thing that they pin on him, uh, he said he's going to destroy the temple, is a mis- is mis- misunderstanding of what he even said. The whole system was against him. And I think we often, some, I think we ask the question, you know, God, why, why don't you care about the injustice? It's like, did you not see what my son had to endure? He got killed because of the injustice. He un- more than understands from a, I'm God, I know all things. No, 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 no. My life was taken from me because of a corrupt judicial system. Because the, 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 the people in charge with all the power decided to take advantage of me and my people, I got killed for it. So I understand injustice. So I'm feeling it with you guys. I'm not ignorant or, or, or choosing to be like separate from the fact that there's injustice going on here in 2019. I'm not, I understand, I died for it. I died because of it. It killed me. And that's the Messiah that we have. We have a Messiah that understands hurt and disappointment and pain and persecution and family drama and grieving. That's the Messiah that we have. Now, the wording here of 
of uh, Isaiah the prophet communicating that like, and Jesus' children aren't, like, aren't, like he's not going to have kids. There's no descendants that, that, that are going to come from him, which for a Jewish man is like worst case scenario. You know who else wasn't going to have kids? This eunuch. The same guy who, who's trying to, like, like I'm trying to just get a relationship with God, and now he has something very specific to relate to, his, to, to Jesus Christ about. So I'm, I, I've also lost that. I've also suffered. I've also gone through persecution. So I think if, if we can just, and listen, you, you can relate to Jesus. If you just like, like remove the, the frustration and just, like G, Jesus gets it. He understands. And he's speaking on your behalf. That's the Messiah that died for us. So the unit's response is, please, please tell me who, who the prophet is talking about. I, 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 need, I need that. Is it him? Is it someone else? And I want to believe here that Philip looks at him and smiles. Like, hey, bro, let me, let me tell you about Jesus. I know you're going through it right now. I know you might be having a hard time seeing how this can somehow fit in this God that you don't really even know yet in his plan. But let me tell you about Jesus Christ. But the world is crazy. Politics, poverty, prejudice. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. But my life is crazy. My family, my past, my mistakes, my marriage, my kids... Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. But I'm too young. But I'm too old. But I'm not good enough. There's so much wrong with me and my state of life right now. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. But I'm stuck. I, I don't know if I can get out of this place that I feel like I've been in for a long time. And I feel like I've tried but I just feel handicapped in this position. I feel like this, I want to do, but I'm stuck. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. You know, this, this, this man had a, had, had a lot working against him. And Peter's response is, I have some really good news for you. I have some amazing news. We call it the gospel, but it's about this guy who was God, downgraded to become man, lived like you, managed to do it perfectly, got killed for no reason, but now your sins, if you choose to, to take the gift that he's given you, are gone. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Verse 35, they keep going, and the eunuch says, hey, well, if that's the case... What can get in the way of my being baptized? Interesting, the, the, the phrase that he uses there, what can stand in the way, is the same uh, uh, Greek phrase for, handi for, uh, for handicap. Like, what can handicap, like at this point, like, like where, what can handicap me from doing that? If what you're saying is true about Jesus, then there's no physical ailment, spiritual ailment, emotional ailment, like financial ailment, relational ailment. So there's no ailment anymore that can keep me from Jesus' promises. What can disable me from this? Nothing. Nothing. 
Nothing that the world throws at you, nothing that you might throw at yourself, nothing can disable you from getting this relationship with God. And then they found water in the desert. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, we, we are, I mean, we'll find excuses. It's like, oh, man, I had this great moment, but like, oh, there's no water. Um, maybe, I don't know, see you this time next week. We can schedule another one. Uh, and then they found water in the desert. If you just think about the miracle that happened to get your heart from where it was to where it is now. And, this, and hey, I know we all have a lot to work on. But the miracle of how different you are now that you're in Christ. You think God can't just make water come out of nowhere? I think God is like, oh, yeah, uh, boom, done. The challenge is fixing our hearts. It's like, oh, you need water? Uh, uh, let me just, uh, boom, right there. And they found water in the desert after he gets presented with the gospel about Jesus Christ. Listen, God is working. God is always working. I think uh, sometimes we, we <laughs> this, this concept of, uh, of, of unanswered prayers, I think it makes God laugh. Uh, I want to say laugh because I, I don't want to picture him angry. Um, <laughs> but we'll, pr- we'll pray for something and it won't happen and we'll call it unanswered. Like think about that in a different situation. Think about proposing to a girl and the girl is like, yeah, no. And you tell your friends, yeah, she hasn't answered yet. I'm still waiting on an answer. It was an unanswered proposal. I'm going to keep asking her um, until it gets in. No, there was an answer. It was just no. It just, no. Not, or, or, I mean, sometimes it's not yet. I believe that every prayer gets answered immediately. Like, prior to you praying it, it's just done. It's like, well, either yes, or I'm working on it, or no, or just hold on a little bit. Those are immediate answers. So God is never not working. We just have to change our perception sometimes and see, hey, the water was going to be there. The water was going to be there. All he needed to do was not give up after getting turned around, is be vulnerable enough to, to present your, your problems to this random, random Philip that rolls up on you, and then believe the gospel message. And then as a result, and, and there's, there's a, I mean, there's... There's a lot of theology happening in this passage. This guy's response to hearing Jesus was, well, please baptize me then. And that's noted in Scripture forever. You know, I think the Christian community often will figure out ways to take things out of God's plan. But look at this man's response to hearing the gospel about Jesus. It wasn't, okay, well, let, let me sign up for a church somewhere. Or, or okay, now I, I, I believe and accept that in my heart, and now I'm clear. It's like, none of that. He said, well, then baptize me. If you take away baptism from God's plan, you are taking away God's plan. And there was a lot that happened before. You cannot diminish the fact that this man just went through a lot. 
But in this moment, he decided, well, I'm going to change my life then. And if baptism is going to connect me to the gospel, yeah, let, let's, let's do this. And then God put water in the desert. God's going to work. God's going to work. We don't know what happened to this eunuch. Um, so, so Christian tradition will tell you that, that he went back to Ethiopia, and this was actually kind of the, the introduction to Christianity on the continent of Africa. Um, I, I have questions. Um, uh, there are some historians that will support that with, with documents. I, I don't know. But, man, his life was changed. His individual life is forever different. I'm, I mean, goodness, if he just goes home and tells his friends about this, it's like, guys, you're never going to believe what happened. All that, that whole temple thing that I was going to, God's not even in the temple anymore. He's in me. Whoa. Like, it, it would have to change everything about how he went, went about it. Just basic day-to-day is now different because all that emphasis he put on I just got to go to the temple. Just get me to the temple. Go to the temple. It's like, well, listen. Let me tell you about Jesus. And how you can now be a holding component for the Holy Spirit. You know, I saw the video. There's a video um, of a recap of, of camp. And in the video, you, uh, there's a little, 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 you know, little thing of this Shamar character and his arm wrestling exploits. Um, and in the video, I noticed that he actually had his left hand in a, a, like an illegal leverage position. <laughs> Your hand is supposed to be flat or holding something on the table, and he had his hand under the table, like sandwiching his hands together. That is illegal. That is against the arm wrestling rules. And, and sometimes life is just not fair. <laughs> like, sometimes things will happen to you that is just like, what, 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 why? Why? Like, that doesn't seem fair. Like, some, I feel like someone cheated. Like, why, why, why is it me going through this? God, do you not see other people that are not trying to do you? Like, why am I going through this stuff? Why is Shamar tearing my bicep? There's other people here. There's, other, there's smaller teams. <laughs> Even if you get cheated out of this material, tangible, expiration date things, There is something way, way more valuable waiting for you. If you just hold on, just hang in there. Listen, we, we, all, we all have our handicaps. We all have our shortcomings. We all have things that, man, God, I wish you could just take this away. The eunuch's handicap didn't go away, but he gained God. Whatever our challenges are, and there's, in a room this size, there's going to be a lot of challenges. Right now, as we speak, that you have to leave this building and go back to. Just hang in there. Man, this, this story would be tragic if we hear that hardship came to the eunuch and he forgot what Philip taught him. 
that would be tragic. With what, what God had to do to make that moment happen, it would be a tragic tale of giving up way too easy if he leaves and forgets this. Don't forget this. Don't forget what God had to do to get you here. There will be challenges. There are challenges. There were challenges. But we have an opportunity, handicap and all, shortcomings and all, to be part of an amazing story of God's plan for a, for a flawed humanity that ends with us with him. We're, there's about, oh man, so we're like, there's a, a hundred and twenty something days left of the year, I think, something like that. We're deep into part two of 2019 right now. Um, and then it's going to be 2020, wow. which is nuts. And God isn't restricted to calendars. And I mean, like, we, we, do, we do the plan and the, like, we're going to do this in this month, whatever. But if you were waiting for a charge to make 2019 the year that you didn't let a handicap prevent the gospel from working in your life, consider this the charge. Let's live handicap-free lives where we're connected to God's plan that surpasses everything wrong with us. And there are, listen, I know, I'm, I'm a one of us. I know. There's a lot of things I, I need to do better, but goodness gracious, God is amazing. So we can just hold on to that and push through. Hey, the, uh, the eunuch never saw Philip again. But I would like to leave there in heaven together. And I would hope that, yeah, you know, I, I mean, I don't know how heaven politics works, but, but the eunuch owes Philip a lot. But it's a celebration. Yeah. And we can all, all of us celebrate. We, we just hold on and push through. Amen? Thank you, guys.